Folks, today's episode is brought to you by SiriusXM Satellite Radio. You may already know that SiriusXM brings you the deepest variety of commercial-free music for every genre and for every mood. That's where you hear the biggest names in talk, entertainment and comedy, and hundreds of hand-curated music channels designed to fit every mood. It's where you get news from every source. It's where you can listen to the newly launched Fish Radio. Woo! In addition to Jam On, the Grateful Dead Radio, Pearl Jam Radio, Tom Petty Radio, and many more. It's where you can listen to top comedy channels such as Kevin Hart's Laugh Out Loud Radio and Netflix is a Joke Radio. And sports talk radio from Barstool to ESPN and more to keep you up to date on the latest news in the sports world. Most people think you need a car to enjoy SiriusXM, but you don't. Subscribe now and listen outside the car, on your phone, online, and at home. And get your first three months for just a dollar. Visit SiriusXM.com slash Amigos, A-M-I-G-O-S, to see offer details and to subscribe and start listening today. That's SiriusXM, no car required. What's up? This is Mike Fenoya from Amigos, and Amigos Podcast is in the loop, the legion of Osiris Podcast. Osiris is creating a community that connects people like you with podcasts and live experiences about artists and topics you love. Check out OsirisPod.com and stay in the loop. Hey folks, welcome back to Amigos. This is your host, Mike Fenoya. Uh, I hope everybody is doing good. Happy uh, October. It's October, my favorite month of the year, mainly because it's uh, this guy's birthday, but also this is the best month to be in New York City. It doesn't smell so bad. The breeze feels nice while you're sleeping. And uh, the foliage, the New England foliage, all the leaves are changing and... uh, it's a good time. If you're a football fan, it's great, except if you're a Miami Dolphin fan, which I am. I like the worst football team uh, to ever uh, wear a helmet, I think. Um, the Miami Dolphins, I'm, I'm, a, I'm a very loyal, uh, loyal guy, and uh, the Dan Marino and Don Mattingly, uh, Don Mattingly from the New York Yankees, Dan Marino from the Miami Dolphins, were my heroes growing up. As far as athletes are concerned, Walter Payton, sweetness number 34 from the Bears was too. But um, my first guy was Marino because I always wanted to be a quarterback. And both of my heroes in sports never won a championship. Uh, They came close, but they never did it. Sucks for Mattingly too because like right after he left, the Yanks just went on a tear and won everything for 100 years. But... Those are my guys. I stick to my teams. And the Miami Dolphins, if you're a football fan, wow, they just suck. I mean, it's it's pathetic. Um, but I'm a sports fan nonetheless, and I just like watching games. So um, it's fun to be uh, in the fall again. I'm not a summer guy, really. My, my bald head gets burned. Let's get the business out of the way and then catch up. It's been a while. Um, got a lot to talk to you about. Uh, if you are on iTunes and you haven't already given a review or a rating, 
head over there um, and give us a five-star rating and a review. It goes a long way. Subscribe, of course. If you're on Spotify, uh, follow and subscribe. If you're on social media, it is at M-I-K-E-F-I-N-O-I-A on Instagram and Twitter at Amigos Pod, A-M-I-G-O-S-P-O-D on uh, those two as well. Facebook, we got the Amigos Podcast discussion group. Um, I'm not doing a ton on Twitter anymore. I'm kind of, I don't know. It's, first of all, it's boring. I'll be honest. If if I wasn't doing stand-up and I wasn't doing a podcast, I don't think I'd be on social media. I like Instagram for pictures and all that, but Twitter's just kind of, I don't know, man. It's like you go pop in every now and then and you visit and all that, but it's it's very like addictive and toxic and it's just not for me. Um, so if you want to see what's going on in the world of uh, me and amigos and all that stuff, um, I'm an Instagram cat more than anything, so head over there. Um, I've got a project going on that two projects three projects not counting amigos and stand-up comedy this is why i'm not bringing you guys episodes as often as uh as weekly because um it's overwhelming right now i'm doing stand-up comedy working on material for a new album and i'm about 60 percent of the way there um basically what that means is that uh, there's no interview today. I'm just me talking. So um, I want to catch up with my pals, my amigos. Um, getting ready to record something new. You know, you're kind of ripping through material and seeing what you still have enthusiasm about, what could be deeper, what's done, uh, what needs to be patched up or moved around and all that. And I've been working on a lot of longer sets and shorter sets. And um, so I have that happening. I've got. Uh, inside jokes, impractical jokers, inside jokes, which I am the uh, head writer for. That's the impractical jokers show where uh, if you're watching on True TV, uh, it's episodes where little fact bubbles pop up, and uh, about every you know twenty to thirty seconds, a fact bubble pops up. That's what I do for a living. Um, I write those facts and I work with the crew. Um, I love. Everybody that works on the Impractical Jokers, from the four guys to the um, locations department to the PAs to the audio and the video and the producers and the everybody. I mean, you name it. Every it, We're a family, and I'm so happy and so honored to be a part of that team. But I'm working on a new season of that, <clears throat> which takes up some time, basically what I do to give you a behind-the-scenes look at uh, the the behind-the-scenes stuff I do. I watch old... I watch episodes that either I've written on or produced and and ones that I haven't all the way back to season one. And I write facts and I do some digging and I do some research, which involves hanging out with my buddies uh, emailing and, and getting on calls with some of the producers. We watch some of the episodes together. Um, and I come up with facts that are, you know, I'd say it's like an 80, 20 blend. I like to do 80% facts about the day of the shoot, the history of the location, some of the things that maybe didn't work. Um, and then 20%, what I would like to call snapple cap facts. So if we're talking about, um, 
you know, restaurants in New York or if we're at a specific park, I like to go in and find some little snippets and nuggets of uh, knowledge that have to do with where we're at that day or what we're working on that day. And um, I, I, I pepper those in sparingly. And also I like to throw in some little gems, little Easter eggs for fans of the music and fans of the podcast and fans of the jokers and stand up comedy and all that. So, um, it really makes me happy that the show makes people happy. I get to watch my favorite show and, um, write facts about it. It's just, it's, it's a dream come true. And I really care a ton about it because I grew up watching pop up video in the nineties and I would watch it forever. And, I love facts about behind-the-scenes stuff. I, I really think it's neat. And the way that we make the show is so unique and so special that I think it's, it's important to give folks as much of a behind-the-scenes look um, as I can without you know, sharing too much of the magic. And the guys are, work so hard on it and the crew – so I really like to to shout out everybody that's involved as much as possible. So that's the second thing going on in my life. Then the Amigos podcast with which you're listening to now on the Osiris Network, which is making strides in so many great directions. And I love everybody over at Osiris and I'm uh, happy for all of the progress that we're making in the new podcasts that are uh, on the network and all of the great shows. So please head over to Osiris Pod and uh, listen to all of the wonderful podcasts. There's a new one that we have um, called the Tapes, like the Lost Tapes or Tape Sessions. Let me, I want to get the name right because uh, it's so cool. I listened to a George Car, the Tapes Archives, Archive, and I listened to it, and there was this really, really interesting interview with George Carlin and it was I mean it's all the way back from 89 which you know predates social media and all that and it just goes into his way of going about writing and going about um you know putting together material and things like that and it's just I mean he's any comedian's hero he's the Eric Clapton of uh you know guitar if that you know if you make that analogy and uh, it's a really, really wonderful podcast to, to listen to. Um, and, of course, you know, all of the amazing ones that we have on the network. So OsirisPod.com. But I've got a couple of very, very special guests coming up soon. And I'm, I'm a believer in uh, quality versus quantity. So if it's every two weeks I'm bringing you an episode, uh, three weeks, I'd rather do that than, you know, piss in your ears like those, uh, you know, some people we know do. Um, but I've got, in the, in the beginning of November, I have probably one of the most exciting interviews that I've done ever uh, coming up. And I'm nervous and I'm excited and I'm not going to tell you who it is because I want it to be a surprise uh, for everyone. So putting a lot of thought and effort into that. So that's another thing that I've got going on. The next thing I have going on is a project that I have been working on. So long may they run. Uh, Dean Budnick's project um, that I think hats off to Dean he's uh, doing a wonderful job with that project and I think it's going to be great Uh, it came as a bit of a 
I don't know. I was happy to see it out there, but I'm also working on a project very similar that's going to be coming out in the end of like mid fall. Um, it's called Still Chasing, and what I did was I took stock of the fact that um, turning forty in the, this month, uh, twenty five years almost of seeing fish concerts, twenty four, twenty five years, and I am kind of looking back on like, why do I do it? Why do I still chase this band around? And what, what is it about the fish scene and the grateful dead scene and the, you know, this world that influences me and keeps me coming back for more and traveling and spending money and being uncomfortable and all of that stuff. So basically what I'm doing is kind of taking a look back at the quarter century of my experience and my very good friend, and Osiris cohort Michael Shields, who is responsible for the great podcasts, Welcome to the Party Pal. He's part of the God Ween Evan team, the Across the Margins podcast. Um, we're working together on it, and he's helping me immensely because we're both at about that same tenure in fish, and we kind of grew up in a parallel pattern uh he had his buddies that he did it with i have mine that i did it with and um we're looking at it together and we're going to be releasing it soon i've got interviews with a lot of very amazing people in the scene and uh, we take kind of like a holistic look from a fan's perspective and how it's influenced me with stand-up comedy and other aspects of my life so that's going to be out on spotify and then a couple weeks after it's released it's going to be out there on all mediums including here at Osiris Network, YouTube, uh, Libsyn, Spotify, you name it, it's going to be out there. So keep an eye for Still Chasing. My friend Jeffrey Tice, who's an amazing follow on Instagram, G-E-O-F-F-R-E-Y, Tice, T-I-C-E, did the artwork for the project, and uh, I'm excited to bring it to you. So that's the, whatever, the fourth thing I'm doing. Fifth thing that I have going on right now, uh... As a member of the Impractical Jokers team, uh, I get the privilege to, every uh, winter, take part in the Impractical Jokers cruise. Uh, It's a four-day, five-day cruise that's run by a cool company called Sixth Man Productions. Uh, They're responsible for cruises that are fan-centric, fan-based, similar to Jam Cruise, the Kiss Cruise, the, you know, you name it, there's a cruise now for it, and the Jokers have one. And as one of the guys that opens for the Jokers on the road, uh, the guys are kind enough to invite me onto the boat to perform and do stand-up and hang out with the fans. And my good pal, the very talented uh, Cypher Sounds, DJ, comedian, just an all-around great dude. Him and I were together recently in Las Vegas, and we were admiring each other's um, fat stomachs and uh, our tits. And we decided that we need to lose some weight leading up to the cruise. So we thought we got 20 weeks till uh, the cruise. Why not make this a challenge and invite fans and, uh, you know, podcast listeners and all that to join in and see what they can lose. So we started Lose to the Cruise, Mike and Saifa's Lose to the Cruise. And it's a 20-week uh, challenge. I like this project because it's got an end date. It's something that will wrap up 
uh, when we get to the cruise, and we uh, are charting our weight loss uh, mission and our uh, progress and our pitfalls and our, you know, misses and all that um, along the way. So it's a fun follow. It's a fun listen. So if you're into it, check out uh, Lost, L-O-S-E-T-O, The Cruise, and uh, follow along. And if you've got any tips on how to lose weight, uh, I started this at five foot eight, two hundred and twenty three point two pounds, and I'm looking to be uh, five eight two hundred. I want to lose. Uh, I'm in, I'm we're in the eighteenth week or something like that, and uh, I've got a little bit more to go, a lot more to go. But um, it's fun. But it's another project that look. I'm turning forty, and I kind of wanted to, you know, be at a, a better weight and feel better. Uh, I I went for it pretty. Uh, hardcore with um eating and drinking beers and stuff this summer on fish tour so it's time to uh get better just a little bit better so i've got all these things going on and trying to be a uh you know a good husband and a good uh dog owner dad and a good friend to my buddies and so a lot going on you know and uh i've been traveling quite a bit i've been seeing some concerts so it's uh it's fun to to have all this stuff going on and it's all positive and just uh really trying to put 100% into everything. So thank you guys for, you know, supporting and sharing all the the love. It it really goes a long way and I appreciate it quite a bit. Um I did a bunch of shows recently. I'd like to thank some uh amigos that came out to my shows um on Long Island at the Brokerage Comedy Club. Uh, Jump and Jeff I got to meet Thanks for coming out A couple other folks um, It was really a blast I had a good time uh, Interesting crowds uh, There's some hecklers about And uh, they really like to talk And I think Jeff actually caught one of the shows Where uh, I I got into it with a lady And I don't understand why people would go to a comedy show And think that like talking To me or about my stuff Or at me or to their friends or on their phone or whatever the hell they're doing. I don't see how anyone could think that would help. That'd be like going to a concert and you're watching a guitar player make a B minor chord and you go and throw your finger on the string and be like, here, I'm helping you. You're not helping. Keep your hands off my guitar and stop talking. And I got into it with a lady. Uh, I got into it with one person, I think at every show. And, uh, that was pretty interesting. So, um, but I had a good time. Uh, it's nice to go out and do long sets. I've got this weekend, I'm doing four shows at Atlantic City Comedy Club. That's located inside the Claridge Hotel and Casino. So if you're interested, uh, you could go to MikeFanoia.com and find out the details about that. Uh, October 9th, which is a Thursday or Wednesday, Wednesday at 1030, um, I'm doing a longer set at the Comedy Cellar, Fat Black Pussycat. I have some of my friends uh, joining me. It's a great room. I've talked about it a bunch on this, and uh, I'm going to be working out some new material. I'm happy with a lot of the newer stuff, and uh, it's it's been it's been a lot of fun to see the growth. Um, I I went on the road. This is something that I probably have to talk about. That um, I, I'm not good at talking about good things that that uh, that I've done or that have happened. I'm I'm not a I'm always kind of overwhelmed, but I had a moment, and it fits into um, 
in a weird circular uh, situation here. We lost Robert Hunter. Um, I haven't had a podcast since uh, the Grateful Dead lyricist Robert Hunter passed away. Uh, someone who literally, um, I mean, easily changed my life more than, I mean, it was. Pra- I mean, him and Tom, uh, Tom Marshall and Robert Hunter, pretty much wrote the songs that um, have been the soundtrack of easily two to three decades of my life. And, you know, I've sang those lyrics over and over again, and I've, um, you know, gone to them in shitty times, especially, you know, Robert Hunter and, you know, Broke Down Palace and Addicts of My Life and Stella Blue and all of those songs. But um, Black Peter, there's a line in that song that's, uh, see here how everything lead up to this day, and it's just like any other day that's ever been. Uh, I love that song so much, and I love that line. And uh, I went on the road two or three weekends ago with my hero, Dave Attell. Uh, Dave Attell is, um, I think he's the greatest comic uh, ever, and he's one of the nicest people ever. And uh, to the fact that I even know him is, to me, like, the greatest honor, but he likes me enough to bring me out on the road with him. And, uh, we've gotten to become pretty good pals. And I did a couple of shows with him, uh, in a Foxwoods casino at the Fox theater, beautiful theater. Um, that was the first of three shows that the show went great. The way that it was set up was, uh, you know, an announcer over the God mic, we call it. It's the microphone where they, you know, do the announcement from behind the stage. Like, ladies and gentlemen, welcome to the stage. And I went out and I did, um, I think, like 25 minutes in front of Dave. And it's an interesting experience doing stand-up comedy on a stage that big when we're used to being, I mean, a foot or two or three or four from the crowd when I could see faces and I could see, you know, expressions and laughter hits you instantly. Um, when you're doing stand up in a big theater, it's pitch black and there's a gigantic spotlight right in your face and you can't see anything but um, the shadows or the outlines of like a couple heads in the room. You could look off outside of the spotlight that's in your face and you could see candles lit or exit signs or. You know, you look off side stage and you see, you know, whatever. But it's a, it takes a bit of getting used to. And comics don't necessarily always do a sound check. Uh, we're kind of just going out there and grabbing the microphone and trying to figure it out um, as we go. So went out, did the set. I was happy with it. Um, it was good. I wouldn't say it was great. Attell went out and... I mean, absolutely destroyed. He tells 500 jokes an hour, and they're all just... I mean, he's brilliant. He's really like a wordsmith, and his timing's great, and his, it's just watching him is... I don't know. It gets to a point sometimes with stand-up where it's like you don't want to watch other people's stand-up, um, and I, Dave, I have to watch because he's just... I'm a huge fan. Um, so that was incredible. We took a road trip up to Boston from there, And we did uh, the Wilbur Theater. Now, every so often, I would say maybe this has happened to me like two or three times in my career doing stand-up comedy where I have a show that is just something special. 
And I don't think it's, I mean, it's obviously partly me, but I don't think it's me. I don't think like I went out there and there's, there's like this certain thing where like the room is perfect. The sound is perfect. The, the seating and the distance and the, the crowd's timing and the way that they laugh at the right moment. And it, when it dies down, I hit them with the next thing. And it just, the first show of the two night of the two shows that we did at the Wilbur theater, I think might be the best I've ever done. And it was a 25 minute set where, I mean, just start to finish me and the crowd were just, we were, we were kind of just picking up where we were each putting down and we were jiving and it was great. And, uh, I, I had a moment like that once at the, um, Zanies in Chicago once in Denver, Colorado at the Comedy Works, and then once on stage with the Impractical Jokers at the Minnesota State Fair. And it's just these times where, and maybe once on the cruise, the last Joker cruise or two, I, I, I had a, a moment like that where, you know, when you're on stage and you're doing stand-up comedy, it's like the minute a joke leaves your, your face, you're feeling six emotions at once. You're like, God, I hope they like this. Did I say it right? Take a breath. Do you need water? Uh, what are you going to do next? Is your fly up? Do you have bugs hanging out of your nose? Like, you're going through like a a like a a firing squad of anxiety and inner you know self whatever questioning. And every so often, these like four or five times, probably in the ten years or nine years that I've been doing this, you have a moment where you can just sit back in the laughter. And it almost seems like time stands still and you can kind of pan the room and you're and you're like, wow, like this is working. And it's fun because it's so, you know, few and far between that that happens. It happened during this show in Boston and I felt like I was floating. I felt like I was off the stage and the crowd was just perfect. And they, they were so much fun. And I said, thank you. Good night after my last joke. And I got an ovation that kind of had like a tide. Um, it, it, it went up and then as it was dying down, somebody went, woo. And it picked back up and they clapped even more and it happened another time. And I mean, I had tears in my eyes and, and I brought up Dave and I, uh, went on the side stage and he's told me, you know, great job as I was passing him walking off the stage, which I mean, at that point, it's like, you know, now I feel like I'm just on borrowed time uh, <laughs> when, when you're, when you're uh, you know, told by your, your hero that you did well and he's watching you on the side of the stage and all that. Um, after the show, we were outside shaking hands and saying hi to everybody and people were so nice and they were coming up and like, dude, you did a fantastic job. Like, where can we find your stuff? And this nice guy comes over and he had a big white beard and he had a Santa Claus t-shirt on and he kind of whispered to me, he goes, you should have seen the look on your face when people were clapping for you. He goes, it was really cool to see. And he goes, it was, it was really a, a, a priceless moment. And, uh, I, I mean, he, 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 he gave me like a, you know, the feels there. So, uh, thanks to that dude. And, um, thanks to Dave Attell and thank you to, uh, Everybody who came out to the shows, I had a really great time and it really put a lot of wind in my, uh, in my sails. 
Boston is an incredible town for comedy. Very smart people, and they also know how to party. And then Dave would bring me out at the end of the show, all three of them, and we would kind of screw with the crowd a little bit. And, uh, boy, talk about pressure. I mean, he's the best at that. And uh, I just tried to hold my own. But we had a nice run. So um, I've got some new jokes that I'm, I'm, I'm excited about, a little deeper, deeper stuff, uh, more autobiographical, and uh, I'm excited to share it. So working hard on getting a, a, a new hour together for a new album, and I'm about, you know, I'd say 30 minutes deep right now of, of new uh, ready-to-go stuff. So also want to give a shout to uh, Amigos alum, my good friend Karina Reichman uh, went to see her headlining debut at uh, Brooklyn Bowl with Mike Shields and some other folks, and uh, she crushed it. She did a fantastic job. Uh, there was a great crowd for her, family, friends, all that, and uh, she did a wonderful job. Check her out if she's in your town. Um, she covered uh, Spiders from Wilco, uh, which I love so much. And uh, I'm going to be going to see them soon. And uh, she did a great job. The originals were great. Her band is fantastic. Um, It's just a good time. And she's up there having a blast. She seems like one of those people that just is living her... uh, living her dream, doing what she wants. and, and, And it's showing that she's just having a very good time up there. So, um, all right. Fish announced MSG. Fish has reverse island tour coming i'm super excited for both of those things um that it's if i i'm gonna do all four new year's eve and then i'm doing uh the two providence and the nassau i think that'll make 20 or 21 shows this year that i've done um it's a lot (laughs) i'm exhausted but it's it's worth it they're they're playing amazing so i'm excited for fish i'm excited to see what's next Um, they probably are going to release some new stuff and I think it's going to be, uh, a Ruby waves, New Year's Eve, uh, gag. I think something's going to happen. I think the whole place is going to turn bright red and, uh, they're going to do something with that because that song, uh, is, is the breakout artist of the year, if you ask me. Um, and we already got the mercury and, and stuff like that. So I, I see it being a Ruby waves, uh, New Year's. Are you going? Let me know. Hit me up. Maybe we can meet up. We'll do a live Amigos or something. Um, Robert Hunter. Uh, I mean, what do you say? The guy is the uh, Shakespeare of, of our generation. Like most, well, I don't want to say most. We all kind of found the Grateful Dead at different times and different albums, uh, you know, did it for us. And my first real you know, uh, American beauty and working man's dead. I I remember I saved up a dollar a week for my allowance and I went and bought a two double sided tape. It was American beauty on one side, working man's dead on the other. And, uh, it was a spring day and the house that we were living in at the time looked over, um, a mountain and I kicked my legs out the window and I hit play and box of rain started and it changed my life. And before that, I, I listened to my dad's records of Shakedown Street and Steal Your Face and Skeletons in the Closet and uh, what else? Um, Europe 72, uh, Without a Net, stuff like that. But And I loved them from the start, I mean, right away. And I've talked about that a million times. But the thing that I kind of dug about the dead 
right away was just this sort of it was a world within a world and it was all Robert Hunter and Jerry having that synchronicity like Tom and Trey do um, where the lyrics play the music and the music plays the lyrics. And um, I think probably, you know, Dire Wolf was probably like one of the first songs where I was like, yeah, like this, this song, it, it hooked me deep. And I was like, how the hell do you write such a fun like it, it, it was, it was the first time I kind of looked at lyrics and words and and thought, oh, you can do fun shit with lyrics. You can do fun stuff with stories, and you could play somehow. Like the wolf is playing cards, and the wolf is drinking with the guy in a cabin, and you're there. You're in the cabin, and it's and it's snowy out, and you know there's trees surrounding it, but there's a little bit of cleared out area right around the cabin, and this wolf is hanging out and the guy's like, come on in, let's uh, grab a deck of cards and play a game. And it's, I mean, I unreal. I, it's, I don't even know how the hell you even do that. And Robert Hunter did that 5 million times. And I mean, he, his, his ability to, and the first song that hits you on American beauty is box of rain. And that's just, I mean, you know, the story of Phil's, father was dying and and he sent the music to hunter and hunter wrote the lyrics and it just worked out perfectly and the songs that he's written that have gotten me through you know when i when i had to put my doggy down um stella blue um that i really kind of that song to me is pretty much that and mission in the rain are uh two of the most beautiful songs ever written in the history of music um and, I, and and the the reason why I loved Stella Blue so much was that whole you know it seems like all this life was just a dream. Um, it all rolls into one, and nothing comes for free. There's nothing you can hold for very long. His lyrics are just so. Um, I don't want to make parallels, but I think Bug is probably one of the Bug and Steam are probably like two of my most lyrically favorite Fish songs. But Bug is one of these, like, kind of, let's pull the curtain back on life, you know? And let's put the cards down and let's really kind of take a look at, you know, what is this thing here? And and and, and, and no, nothing matters. And for someone who deals with anxiety to, like, have a, a mantra that, like, it doesn't matter, um, when that hits, and I, I've gotten emotional the last couple times I've heard Bug, um, cause sometimes you got to remind yourself that it doesn't matter. And I think that Robert Hunter 7,000 times in his songs are like, this all is just, it's just life. And it's one chapter in, uh, you know, universe of shit that's going on. And, and the Grateful Dead is just so amazing at capturing those like gaps in your thoughts, those spaces in between your thoughts where, you know, the magic really happens. And, uh, Stella Blue, when my pup was, was on her way out, I, uh, my, my vet's a deadhead, and I said, can I just throw on some music? And she said, of course. So I put on this uh, playlist called Dead Rest, and it's just kind of mellow, dead tunes. Reckoning's on there, American Beauty, Working Man's Dead, a couple other tunes. And uh, Broke Down Palace came on as uh, my girl was on her way out. And I'll tell you, it was just like, Somehow a wave of calm came over me because I was so anxious about that moment. And uh, it's just, I, I just 
was leaving and I was talking to my wife and I'm like, it's just so amazing how the Grateful Dead just seems to always be there whenever I need it. And uh, I'd like to thank Robert Hunter for all of the uh, amazing music, all the amazing motivation. Uh, the Grateful Dead has been something where uh, it's Shakespeare to me and it's always kind of, you know, we're talking about Dave Attell, we're talking about inspiration and all that. I look at it like, I don't know, when you write something, hold it up to a candle like Robert Hunter and say, could this be better? Did I take the lazy way out? Did I, uh, you know, could I have made this? Would, would Jerry Garcia sing this? Would Dave Attell tell this joke? Um, that's the way I kind of look at, at, at his writing. So hats off and uh, fare thee well and safe travels into the afterlife, Mr. Hunter. Um, guys, that's it. We're going to make this one short and sweet. I got a bunch to do. Um, come check out some comedy. I've got a bunch of good shit coming on. And uh, stay tuned and stay plugged in. And um, I'll be bringing you another episode very soon. I appreciate your guys' patience. Um, and let's go out with a uh, Stella Blue. What do you say? Uh, this is something that uh, means a lot to me, this song. And uh, I'm going to play it for you. And uh, this is for... Uh, Robert Hunter, give my doggy Stella Blue a little scratch behind the ears when you get up there to the afterlife, buddy. Peace.
head up Still a blue. Still a blue. 